Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. With the fullness of God's power. Come Holy Spirit. We celebrate your presence. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. In your presence, fear disappears. So we ask that instead of fear, let courage enter somebody's heart here this morning. Courage to step into this new week with fresh hope. Knowing that you are the one who said you will fight our battles and we will hold our peace. Knowing that we are more than conquerors in you who loved us. We thank you, Father. Wave your hands to him, saints of God. Just wave your hands to him. If you are appropriating these words into your soul this morning, wave your hands to him. Wave our hands to him, the sign of our surrender to him. We are not here in his presence to, you know, to pose for him. We are here to submit. We are here to surrender. We are here to make him, to crown him king. King of kings, Lord of lords, eternal, invisible, the only wise God. You are the one that we have gathered to this morning. And we celebrate your presence in this place. Somebody embrace his presence this morning. Seek to enjoy his presence this morning. If your heart has been closed, this is the time to tell him, Lord, I open up my heart to you. In that area where I've been afraid, where I've been fretting, I open up my heart to you. Do the things that only you can do. You are the one I've come to worship this morning. Have your way in my life, Jesus. Have your way in my life, Jesus. Let that be the prayer of your heart this morning. Let that be the prayer of your heart this morning. As the day pants after the water broke, the psalmist says, So my heart pants after you. So my heart, my heart pants after you. I need you more than I need my boss. I need you more than I need money. I need you more than I need a spouse. Jesus, I will love you today. I will need you today. I will need you today. One more time, wave your hands to him and just tell him, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Take this pain away from my heart. Take this anxiety away from my heart. Let your presence take residence in my heart. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, everlasting Father. So, Father, we celebrate your presence this morning. You are here in the midst of your people. Have your way. Have your way for everyone joining us online, everyone joining all of our services and different expressions around the city. Let your presence pervade and permeate every heart today. Let it be all about you and not about us. Charge your word with power this morning. Let it minister grace to every hearer. We receive the grace and the courage to step into this new week and into a new month with joy, with peace, knowing that you have finished the work, knowing that you are the God of favor, the one who orders our steps, the one who answers prayers, the one who has called us to be your own. And you'll never leave or forsake your home. So we receive again this confident assurance this morning that you are with us. And you are working everything out for our good. And we thank you for that one person in this service this morning with a broken heart. That one person in this service this morning who is struggling with confusion or fear or anxiety will receive your presence into their heart. We break the hold of the spirit of fear. We break the hold of anxiety. And we declare this morning your peace settles in their heart. Fear gives way to divine direction. We thank you for other steps this week. 
We ask that you have your way in every life. We bless you, our Father. In the precious name of Jesus, we are praying. Somebody who is blessed to be in God's presence this morning, put your hands together and pray, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just believe we can do better than that if you're celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, somebody, do it better, do it better, do it better. Let him know you're excited to be in his presence this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joel chapter 1 and verse number 12. I don't know why God is just, you know, putting that word in my heart for someone here this morning. Joel chapter 1 and verse 12. You can put that up on the screen very quickly. I will appreciate it. Joel 1 and verse 12. I think it's a word for somebody in, in this place. This one. It said, the vine has dried up. And the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All kinds of things just drying up. Drying up. And it looks like the life of God is fading out. I don't know who you are this morning. But I have this word for you today. It says, surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. God said to tell you, it's not because things are bad that you are sad. It's because you are sad that things are bad. So you need to leave this place this morning carrying divine presence with you and doing all that you can to protect your joy, especially as we go into the last two months of this year. I don't know who you are, but God knows you. And he knows that in the midst of his joy in your heart, that's when he can move in your life. And many people treat joy, you know, flippantly with all kinds of attitude. I, I you know, it's just one of those things. It's just okay to be sad once in a while, you know. And anything can get you to the place. Yeah. You are the one I'm talking to this morning. The one that does anything at all can get you to that realm. God said it's time to protect your joy. Because you limit his move in your life when you refuse to protect your joy. Yeah. You limit his move in your life when you refuse to protect your joy. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Not small joy. Fullness. The least you can do is to crave for his presence. So that your joy will be renewed consistently. Yeah. You will show me the part of life for in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. The least you can do is to seek his presence. Right there in your home, right there as you drive to work, right there as you are in the bus, seek his presence. And when you come to church, it's time, you know, to refuel in his presence. And so just make up your mind that the presence of God will pervade your heart, that you open your heart to his presence in spite of everything that may have dried up. Yeah. In spite of everything that may have dried up. In Joel chapter 1, verse 12, there he says, the reason why all these things have dried up, he said, surely is that joy has dried up from the heart of men. When joy dries up from the heart of men, everything that's supposed to produce will also start to dry up. Yeah. The marriage you drain life out of your marriage. You drain life out of your friendships. You drain life uh, out of your projects. And things will start to look up, you know, look down and everything going south. Protect your joy. Can you hear me tap your neighbor and say, it's time to protect your joy. 
Tell your neighbor, God is set to do something new in your life. And as you go into the end of this year, it's time to protect your joy. And again, I want to welcome everyone to this service this morning. Uh, the Reset Prayer Gathering started on Friday, and we had such a great time. One of the ways we protect our joy as we move towards the end of this year is to seek to be in His presence and spend time in His presence. And for the next um, eight Fridays, we're going to be praying together. The first one last Friday and, you know, this coming Friday, we'll meet at the Life Point Church, our young adult church, on the second roundabout. Uh, we specifically pushed it to that location because we believe that most of our people will be coming in this direction and it just helps you to be able to get in on time and be a part of the prayer. We had such a great time and in all of our expressions, the same prayer is going on. I want you to be a part of it. Uh, we're just we're praying, eroding uh, a new season and preparing our hearts for the things that God wants to do in our lives and protecting our joy. So you need to, if you're in the city this Friday, please try to make it. If you can't, uh, join us online. But I, I want you to, to, to come and enjoy his presence physically, if you can. Yeah, if you can. Praise God. Let me tap your neighbor again. Say, it's time to seek God and to embrace his presence. This morning, I'm sharing on what I've titled, The Power of the Local Church. The power of the local church. Don't forget that uh, this season, this month, we've been speaking uh, to the subject of church, the history of the church, why uh, God instituted the church, you know, just refreshing our memory again about the church of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm speaking to the subject of the power of the local church. The series has been titled, Welcome to Church. So look at your neighbor for me again and say, Welcome to Church. Welcome. The power of the local church. Genesis 28, I'll read from verse 10 down to 17. Genesis 28 from verse 10 down to 17. Genesis 28 from verse 10 down to 17. And um, I'll read one or two more passages as we, we go on. Praise God. It's going to be a bit of a, uh, a walk through, you know, a little bit of the scriptures uh, this morning. Praise God. Are we ready? If you're joining us from home or wherever you may be, please take distractions away from you and get ready to be blessed this morning. Genesis 28 uh, from verse 10. Uh, it's the story of Jacob after he had successfully hijacked the blessing and the birthright from his brother. And he was practically a fugitive running away from his brother's anger and going to seek his uncle Laban in another part of, of, of the country. And, you know, he was just going. He, he, he was blessed but a bit despondent. He was blessed but confused. He was blessed but he had received the blessing but how he was going to actualize the blessing was a different thing. His, his father Isaac had pronounced blessings over him, but he was living in fear. And people get into these areas in life where you feel blessed, but you know maybe something is missing. Maybe this has to still be there. Sometimes you are blessed, but you are not fulfilled. Sometimes you are blessed, uh, but there's no practical actualization. Sometimes there's a bit of practical actualization, but you just still know that the robber has to meet the road. That was where Jacob was when this happened. The Bible says now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. It was, uh, was going to be an uncomfortable uh, one, because when you use stone for pillow. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up 
on the earth, and it, its top reached uh, to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Your descendants shall be as the dust of the heart. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in you and in all your seed, all the families of the heart shall be blessed. Verse 15. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that I mean, what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, in fact, I think we should read verse 16 together. Church, can we go? One, two, go. Surely. And I did not know it. Verse 17. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Praise God. Jacob came to that place where there was heavenly traffic. Angels ascending and descending. There was a ladder that took the heavens from the earth. There was a divine incursion in the affairs of his life. Unsolicited visitation from heaven. He was just there to sleep and to rest. His soul was weary, but God showed up for him. And when he woke up, there was an exclamation. How awesome is this place? How awesome is this place? This is not other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And the Bible says it changed the name of the place from Lods to Bethel. And Bethel simply means the house of God. The house of God. It changed that, the name of that place, you know, in the following verse, uh, to the house of God. The house of God. The power of the local church. That's what we're discussing this morning. From this encounter of Jacob, we gain some idea of what the house of God should be like. Of what power God has invested in the local church. So the local church, ladies and gentlemen, is a place of divine encounters. It's a place of heavenly traffic. It's a place where there's divine incursion in the affairs of human lives. It's a place where God meets a man, meets a woman, in the midst of despondency, fear, and anxiety, and starts to speak into the situation. Because as uh, Jacob listened to God and God spoke into his situation, he became a lot more assured of the things that uh, were ahead of him. Like I said, he was blessed being a part of the covenant. He came into the kingdom of, I mean, into the covenant of Abraham, uh, just being biologically a part of that lineage. But much more than that, his father Isaac also put upon him the blessing of Abraham. So from that point, God became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It could have been God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but it was, he became God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for you and I, according to Galatians chapter 3, uh, from verse 13, 14, and 15, uh, it says that uh, when Christ hung on the tree, those of us who believe and receive him, it said, we're joint heirs with him. Yeah, we're joint heirs with him. It said, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, uh, curses everyone that hung on the tree. And look at the next verse, said that the blessing of Abraham 
might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. You and I are Gentiles in Christ. In Christ. And the blessing that Abraham, I mean, that Jacob received through that lineage is what we get into when we experience new birth. When we come into new birth. That's what we experience. It's the same thing that Jesus was telling Nicodemus, uh, 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 that very knowledgeable man that went to meet Jesus in John chapter 3 and said, Master, how come you do the things that you do? He said, no man can do the things that you do except God is with him. He was a very humble man. He just went to seek. Other people were criticizing Jesus and saying all kinds of things about him, but he went and, and sought him out and gained audi an audience with him in the cool of the night, in the evening. He said, how, how come? And Jesus looked at him, you know, eyeball to eyeball and said, look, uh, don't think about what I do. Think about who I am. Being must come before doing. Who you are is what empowers you to do what you do. And so he told him, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot participate in the kingdom of God. So uh, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is like, you have to believe. You have to allow the person that gave back to me to give back to you. Who, whoever is your father who gave back to you is, has placed a limit on what you can do. <laughs> The son of a monkey will be a monkey forever. Yeah. And the son of a lion is a lion forever. And a human being is a human being. The three of them can do different kind of things. Are you following me? Jesus said, if the person I gave back to me will give back to you, then we can be talking about doing. Because we'll be at the same realm. Yeah. Nicodemus made a, a mistake to ask, can I go back to my mother's room now that I'm an adult to be born again? And Jesus, I'm sure in his mind, was looking at him, if your mother gave back to you and you are this powerless, if you go back, your powerlessness will be multiplied over and over again. I'm telling you, let the person that gave back to me give back to you. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> because being is what determines doing. Glory be to Jesus. So, in this place, we see the blessing of God coming upon Abraham, I mean, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob coming to that place of divine encounter. And the Bible says, when he encountered what he encountered, he said, this is the house of God. It paints a picture to us of what church should be like when church is working right. Yeah. This is the house of God. This is the place of divine encounter. This is where people meet with God and their lives are changed, transformed. If their heart is open and the church is working well the way God has ordained it to be, it should be a place of consistent divine encounters. Praise God. Psalm 84 and verse number 10. Uh, uh, the psalmist must have experienced this kind of thing that Jacob experienced, and his statement was oh, very, uh, very similar. He says, For a day in your court is better than a thousand, and I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. There are many tents of wickedness out there. He said, the, the psalmist says here, a, a day in your court is better than a thousand. If you experience what Jacob experienced, then you know. That a day in his court is better than a thousand. I mean, we live in a time where people are running away from church, for instance. Many of such people, in my own opinion, is that they have not experienced what God had in mind. Yeah. Or maybe they've experienced something that, that, that is an offshoot of the imperfection of the people they fellowship with. And they have summed all of God's original intention up in that one encounter. Instead of seeking to encounter God, 
in the place where it's planted them, they consistently <laughs> summarize God's original intention as being uh, the wickedness that they encountered from men or the narrative that is coming out of the church globally as being the place where people are conned for their money or a place where people are abused and taken advantage of. Nothing can be further from the truth. The church in all our imperfections still remains the hope of the world today. We only have to make it to work right. God has no alternative plan. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. He has not changed his mind. Are you still with me today? And like I said last Sunday, the imperfections of men and the shenanigans of parishioners and pastors alike will not make God change his mind. Yeah. We throw ourselves into, you know, towards hardship and it, uh, all kinds of things when we start to run from pillar to post, like Jacob was doing there until he encountered God. You see, when he encountered God there, when you read further down, nobody spoke to him before he said, if you bless me, 10% I'll give to you. Nobody spoke to him. Maybe he heard before that in his lineage, maybe they were blessing God and all that. God did not ask him for anything. And this is the New Testament expression of Christianity. Where we, we walk with God in love, not compulsion. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying this morning. We give to him because we love him. Because giving is one of the major critical issues that is painting the church in a bad way today. Uh, if you read further down in that, that, that passage, you see what I'm saying there. It was Jacob that, that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it tight. God, there was no discussion about money. Yeah. No discussion about money. No pastor spoke to him. <laughs> he encountered the real God in his heart. He knew he had encountered God. He set up, you know, a memorial there. I hope somebody is following me. Please, can you, can you roll the next one or two scriptures? You'll just be seeing what I'm saying there. He encountered God. He set up a memorial there. And he sacrificed to God there. <laughs> Paul, you know, oil on the stone there. Sacrificed to God there. Because he had encountered God. He was just looking for a way to express what he has encountered. Nobody told him this is how to even worship God. By pouring oil on the stone. Maybe he just formed it off. Because we haven't seen that before that time. <laughs> he was just overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I mean, Abraham offered sacrifices to God. He didn't pour oil on any stone. <laughs> this guy was just... May you come to that place of divine encounter with God. In the precious name of Jesus. May you come to that place where you can see the church the way God has ordained it from the foundation of the earth. Where like the psalmist you will be able to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And a day in your court is better than a thousand. That's where I believe God is moving somebody here to. My key thoughts today, the remaining time that I have, is centered around the concept of believing, belonging, and becoming. Believing, belonging, and becoming, which is where we have a lot of issues today when it comes to embracing the power of the local church. So you to embrace the power of the local church, you must understand the concept of believing, belonging, and becoming. Let's start um, uh, with believing. The church is first and foremost the family of God. 
That's what the church is. First and foremost, the family of God. It's a community of faith and the risen Son of God. That's what the church is. And as Christians, that's where we get our sense of identity from. That's where we get a sense of identity from. John chapter 1 and verse 12. In uh, verse 11 or so, the Bible says, He came to his own, his own receive him not. John 1 and 11. He came to his own, his own receive him not. In verse 12 said, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. As many, I mean, those who believe in his name. Yeah. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. We start with believing. That's where we start from. Start with believing, believing in Him, believing in Christ. We start with believing, and as we start with believing, we start to, you know, develop some sense of identity. We call ourselves believers, and from time to time, we need to check what we believe, <laughs> because now people believe all kinds of things. But as believers in Christ Jesus, that's where our journey starts from. We start with believing. We start to derive some sense of identity from what we believe. It's important to know that some people derive their identity from their work. Some derive their identity from their family. Some even derive their identity from sports, you know, mundane things. Yeah. Some people will rather project themselves based on the club that is supporting the English Premiership. So, Arsenal for life or man you, or this one, or that one. But when was the last time you said Jesus for life? Yeah. This is who I am. This is who I really am. I'm a Christian. My life is not about football. I love football. I'm a fan of so-and-so club. But first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Yeah. My first identity is that I'm a child of the living God. The most powerful entity on earth cannot be my father, and I don't derive my identity from there. That's the, 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 the greatest injustice I can do to myself. Yeah. By reducing the essence of my person to something else apart from that. In him we live, we move, and have our being. That's what the scripture says. Not in our work. Not in our family. Not in my spouse. Because some people derive their identity only from their spouse. We derive our identity from who we are. And who we are is that we are Christians. The king of the universe is my father. Are you still here today? Yeah. No, sir. There may be one or two princes and princesses here, and you know how you parade yourself. I'm a, I'm a princess of the Benin kingdom. Yeah. What about the kingdom of God? <laughs> Which supersedes every kingdom. Every tongue in heaven and, and on earth shall bow in his presence. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. He enthrones and dethrones kings. Are you still here this morning? Yeah, that's the person who is your father. Glory be to Jesus. That's the person that is your father. And we must come to terms with the fact that even God rejoices when we recognize him and when we derive our self-esteem and our sense of identity from him. So as you go into this week, you need to think about it much more deeply. How much of my sense of identity do I really derive? from being a Christian. We will not be able to maximize our Christian experience when we don't treat it like that. 
you will not be able to engage the power of God when you don't even recognize God as your father in the places that matter most. Are you still with me this morning? Very, very important. Very important. So, it's important for us to understand that God wants us to derive a sense of identity from what we believe, which is we believe in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you read from verse 12 down to uh, 20 or so, the Bible talks about, I mean, if you don't participate, if you don't do your part, we won't be able to do that. Yeah. If you keep your money to yourself and say, Pastor is collecting your money, like all the funny things they're saying out there, we won't be able to do that. And most of the propaganda that's going out there is going to the heart of what the church is all about to discourage people and destroy what is in the heart of the church. There are some true part of it, which is when people are put under uh, excessive coercion, coercion and all that and all kinds of things that happen and when funny people come on the pulpit to say funny things also. Yeah. And when some people under the guise of being a minister uh, become charlatans. So the church is not perfect by any stroke of chance. That's what I'm trying to say. But the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world when the church is working well. And you and I can take responsibility for the church to make it work well without destroying the essence of it. I will say it together. And is somebody getting blessed this morning? Praise God. I said praise, praise God. Belonging. Uh, so what's, what's, what's church family? One is the church family is a place of growth. It's a place of growth. That's what we belong to. We belong to a place where we can grow. Yeah. It's a place of growth. The Bible says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, as newborn babes, it's a desire, the sincere make of the world that you may grow. And church is a place where the sincere make of the world is being produced. It's being prepared. We are feeding bottles. You know, we mix the milk, we shake it, and we... But you have to decide. Yeah. And if you have grown enough that you are over milk, then go for strong meat. The Bible says strong meat belongs to them who for the reason of use have exercised their senses to know between uh, good and evil. So we have strong meat. And some people sit down here and complain. There's strong meat in our resource center. Sometimes I'm preaching a message here that is like milk. That's when you should go into your archive and bring meat to chew. When I finish the milk, we will meet in front with meat. Don't complain too much. <laughs> yeah, because what, what people don't understand is that uh, church is a variety, you know. So we have to mix milk. And even adults, sometimes you need to just take small milk yeah, in your tea. <laughs> so whether it's milk or meat, even if you need milk and we're preaching meat, like the one I'm preaching this morning, take it in. Yeah. Because some people will come to church and pre prefer this morning that I just preach a message, uh, for instance, on how to hear from God or how to walk by faith, but I'm teaching about church. <laughs> so you take that too. That's, that's what church is all about. We dish out meat and milk from time to time, and sometimes strong bone. <laughs> that you need to crack. God help your teeth. My dentist was asking me, it was about two weeks ago, I went to see the dentist. He said, Pastor, do you crack bone? I said, before. <laughs> I have repented. <laughs> I'm older now, and I know that <laughs> it's destructive to my teeth. I don't have to. Praise God. I said, praise God. So, it's a place of growth and nourishing. It's a place also to find love and care. It's a place to find love and care. The church is not 
just a soup kitchen. It's a family that gives a sense of connection and identity. It's a place where we find love and care. That's what the church is all about. A place where we find love and care, where we see the demonstration, uh, we, 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 we see that demonstration of love in the midst of us. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 15, it says that we do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, that we may cry, Abba, Father, which is Daddy. Yeah, Abba, Father. We can say Daddy. That's, that's, that's what we get. And the place we find love and care is a place, you know, uh, where we, we, we connect with our Father. Don't choose to be an orphan in church when you can be a part of the family. The summary of that thought is don't choose to be an orphan in church when you can be a part of the family. Some people just prefer to be an orphan in church. I'm on my own. I go in. I go out. I don't want anybody in my business. I want to believe, but I don't want to belong. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. The church is also a place that's big enough to house you and small enough to love you. Yeah. Big enough to house you and small enough to, 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 to love you. You know, some people say, I prefer small churches because there. People know each other. <laughs> Listen, sister and brother. On the day of Pentecost, from the first day the church started, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day. Yeah. The church of Jesus has always been a mover. <laughs> yeah. It's always been an influence. The only thing is that just from that point to, they created mechanisms where people can still be rich. So they broke bread from house to house. Today, when we say, Connect with somebody, maybe based on interest or where you live and all that, people are posing for themselves. I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to. You, you, you're not helping the church. We actually do a lot to come up with concepts and strategies on how we can reduce this big entity to smaller parts where people can have a sense of family. But some of us just, but we want to be better, we want to behave like earlier boys. No father, no mother, like Mekisedek, no beginning of day, no end of it. Just show up. <laughs> I know I just gave somebody a job. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. But if that belongs to you, take it. Take it with grace. Yeah. God is not raising area boys. The making of a rogue believer is the absence of accountability. Yeah. When accountability is absent, what you get is a rogue believer. That's what you get in I mean, there are so many boys who are picked from the street in time past, in this church, and even currently. And we tried, in fact, there was a time, a few years ago, a boy was picked from the street in this church, and it's one of our sisters and her husband agreed to take this boy in. The boy was in our teen's church. And they took him in. And we celebrated all those things. But um, it's a welcome to Lagos kind of thing. <laughs> or it's a this is Lagos kind of thing. You know, they said there are many cities in Nigeria, and when you are entering, you say, welcome to Ibadan, welcome to... But when you are coming to Lagos, you just say, this is Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't welcome people. You just shine your eyes, this is Lagos. <laughs> because when people are giving all the love in the world, and all the compassion and connection in the world, and some attitude in them still just believe that they are not wanted, what can you do? And that's how some believers behave in church. Maybe because you have been hurt in one church before or in another church or this and that or maybe even right here. 
just that somebody behaved poorly to you amongst, you know, 6,000 people or so, one person, and you choose not to come to church again because of one person, can somebody change me from being the son of my father? And there are people now saying my Christianity is in my heart. Uh, church people are terrible people. You are one of us. <laughs> yeah. Except you are no longer a Christian. Because according to God's original intention, there's no Christianity without the church. And as long as we are in the world, we are the hope of the world, we are the salt and light of this world. And God has not changed his mind about it. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. So, you will not find a perfect church, but as a place where you can be blessed and can be a blessing. Because church is filled with imperfect people. So, you will not find a perfect church, but as a place where you can be blessed and where you can be a blessing. There was a story that I read many years ago of, um, um, uh, of people relocating from one place to the other. They got to the gate of the new place that they were relocating to. A man was standing there, a man of wisdom, perhaps. And they asked the man, what kind of people live in this place, this settlement? The man looked at them and said, where you are coming from? What kind of people live there? Ah, they said, they are very wicked, though. They're terrible people. The man said, ah, this is weird, too. They are like that. <laughs> so they packed their load and went somewhere else. Another set of people were coming. They met the same man. He said, they asked him again, what kind of people live here? The man asked them, where you are coming from? What kind of people are there? He said, they are very nice people, very warm. Hospitable people. He said, those are the kind of people who live here. And they went into the city. The moral of the story is very simple. Our mind sees what, he want, what we program it to see. Yeah. If you come into a church and somebody annoys you or does something crazy to you, if your mind has not been programmed to think that's how church people are, you are easy, it's easy for you to forgive, walk past that, and fellowship with other people who have more sense. Yeah. Because there are so many kinds of people in church. People are at different levels. You can't rate a church just because of the encounter with somebody who is still working in progress in that church. And all of us are still working in progress, just that the amount of work is in different categories. Yeah. Some people are like Lagos Ibadan Expressway. They have been fixing them for over 20 years. <laughs> Why some people are like Benioria Road? I don't, I don't know about that, really. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. So let, me, let me wrap this all up. My time is all gone. The church is also a resourcing institution and a place of truth. I will not be able to spend more time on that. Let me just learn this. Becoming. Becoming. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Believing should lead to be belonging, and belonging should lead to becoming. According to John 1 and verse 12. We said that before. As we engage the process of becoming, we'll become more like him, more like Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It said, We are with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of God. We are changed from one level of transformation to another, one level of glory to another, as by the Spirit of God. So as we engage the process of becoming, we'll become more like him. 
And you are called, we are all called to become salt, I mean to be the salt and the light of our world. And we must pay attention to that. So, um, the big question today is, are your times, resources, influence, you know, and every, all that you stand for, adding something to the church or committed to the church and to our mandate? It's very important. Very, very important that you ask yourself that question. We all need to understand that this church is set up by God, for instance, as a local church, and there are people that God wants to plant here. The problem with human beings is that it's difficult to plant them because they uproot themselves a lot. Yeah. In the past week, I spoke to one or two people that God planted here in the past that I've not been seeing. I just put a call through to them. One of them, I said, can we, can we just talk? You know, just... He said, Pastor, I'm not interested in talking. Yeah. I said, and in my mind, I was smiling. I was like, I will draw you out. I will draw something out of it. Yeah. So I said, oh, you don't, you're not interested in talking. It's okay. He said, I'm sorry if it sounded rude. No, you're not rude. <laughs> you're not here again, but we're still friends. Yeah. That's all I wanted to know. And I'm your friend for life. <laughs> we're both believers. We're children of the same father. It's not about church. It's about kingdom, first and foremost. It's just that God plants people, yeah, so that they can become. And that's a mandate that aligns with your own life mandate, that aligns with the call of God upon your life. So when you move from place to place, you cannot maximize that. There's no sense of identity and sense of belonging that can lead to real becoming. So the local church is not redundant. When we do our part... It is the most powerful institution in the world. My charge to all of us today is that we join forces with God to build the local church all around the world. Everyone watching from wherever you're watching from, we all have our part to play. So it's time, for instance, to join membership. Yeah. But next week, we're moving to a new month. At the beginning of every month, there's membership class. If you have been here for a while and you have been dilly-dallying about it, it's time to make up your mind to be a part of that. Be a part of a small group. Yeah. If geography-based small group is not working for you, there are all, all of that kinds of small groups that we're putting together. We just finished a prayer community where people are connected on WhatsApp and they meet maybe just once a month or so, pray together. It's a small group. All kinds of small groups that will work for you. We're going to announce a lot more small groups as we go on based on different kinds of interests. Be a part of one. Encourage someone who has stopped going to church to come back. Now that you have an understanding, it's too much of what is happening on the media that is destroying their mind and taking them away from church. The church is not built on media propaganda. We have one manual from God, one love letter that God has written to us is the Bible. That's where I preached from this morning. Yeah. I didn't form what I preached. It's from the Bible. And if you are truly a Christian, you believe then you believe in the Bible, not media propaganda. Some people write narratives for media propaganda. Yeah. They have a different agenda. So we focus on the Bible. And Psalm 92, and verse 13, says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Psalm 92, and verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright 
is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning and just bless him. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name, Father. We'll bless your name, Father. And I wanted to pray this morning. If you are yet to have a sense of planting, I think this is a good. The elevation.